Spring Gunning, Jesse Rubinoff alongside me. Good job, Sandman. Like this one. Good job, Austin Mackey, filling in for Jeff as a party today. Just me and you, Santos, only ones who feel like we need to work Friday who are here all the time. As on Ben. This is a super inside the fan joke. This guy's taking Jazz Fridays right now. It's ridiculous. Love you, Jazz Mangat. One of our behind the scenes guys here. Uh, obviously, always got Leafs on the brain. We'll have a lot of Leafs in this hour. Also, thinking about the Super Bowl. We are, I guess we could say, well, it's still days, but like if you want, you can get cute and do hours. I won't be doing the math on that, but somebody can. It's like it's way less than 100, I think. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting closer. It's always, you know, we were talking about this. Like some years you have a Super Bowl matchup where, hmm, what are we going to learn about these teams? Like when you had your Bengals-Rams Super Bowl a few years ago, you're sitting there and you're going, Oh, okay. This is like, this is going to be a defining moment for one of these guys, be it Burrow, be it Stafford, be it McVeigh, you know. Whereas this one, there are kind of very two clear sides of the coin. You have everybody on a team trying to do it for the first time, be it Shanahan, be it mm-hmm. Purdy, be it McCaffrey. Yeah. And you have the guys who, are, quite honestly, are incapable of doing anything but winning. And, you know, it's funny, we were talking about this with Charles and. Obviously, Shanahan needs to get the big one or it's something he'll always have kind of lurking over him. But, and, you know, I don't think he's never going to coach in the Super Bowl again after this year. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. If he loses all his Super Bowls to Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, it's like, can we kill? Like, we can. I was there. I watched 28 to 3. We can kill him for that. We absolutely can. But can we? Yeah, it's (laughs) it really is such a good point. Like, I, I... the, the interesting thing about this game for one of the interesting things about this game for me is like the, the 49ers you would have thought were the, the best team in the league almost the entire way through. And now we get here and it's the Kansas city Chiefs. So Dan Campbell said after the lions lost to the 49ers, like it's all, it's so hard to get back to this point mm-hmm. that we cannot take for granted what we just went through. We might never get back here again. And you think of all the things that had to go right for the 49ers. They played so well, the talent shone through, and they finally, you know, got back to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Whereas the Chiefs look like a mess so many times during yep. the season, and yet it's just they like they like fall into the Super Bowl. Like they're just so talented, and the coaching is so good, and everything just works out for them. It's like the easiest thing in the world for them to get back to the Super Bowl. It's such an interesting juxtaposition. Behind the Forty the ers have to have a great defense. Have to have great yeah. performances from Christian McCaffrey. Has to be in the MVP conversation. And the Chiefs are like, ah, eh, Kelsey's washed. They don't have any other receivers. But we got Pat. But we got Pat, and uh, we just get there every year. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, I mean, and again, like, we've talked about this a lot. I think you really need to have this in, in all sports. I mean, some need parity more than others. Every team wants to feel like they have a chance. But what you really want is you want to have, like, a true kind of goat to measure yourself against. And I'm not calling Mahomes that yet. Far, far from it. But uh, it is awesome to see him uh, in the mix. You know what else is, is awesome, mm. Jesse? is that Lay's has rekindled their iconic partnership with Mark Messier. And in the Lay's campaign, Lay's is also bringing back the usual limited time flavor, sweet chili heat. But this time they're adding it to their permanent flavor lineup. If we're talking Lay's chips, there's only one man we should be talking to. And it's Mark Messier. Let's go. Uh, Mess, how's it going this morning? Thanks for jumping on. Uh, good morning. I, I'm doing great. Thank you. Good to be on with you. It's funny, you know, uh, pulling back the curtains just a little bit. My producer told me earlier this week there was a chance we might be talking with you. And I said, hmm, 
Super Bowl week, Mark Messier, this feels like a Lay's chip thing. And uh, sure enough, here we are. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't normally talk to you about a commercial that you did, but <laughs> as far as iconic ones go, like it's yeah. kind of up there with Be Like Mike or Bo Knows. Like, what is it like for you uh, being back with Lay's again? Well, I had an incredible experience uh, back in the 90s when we first started. Uh, it was a real turf war between the Lays and some competitors, and uh, <laughs> they were looking for some, some uh, really fun, authentic material to uh, bring the Lays to the forefront. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be around some really great people, some great directors and writers, and uh, they, they made me look good. So uh, I think there was one of the reasons why there was so much stickiness to those ads that uh, <laughs> I think they're really authentic. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, not hard to make you look good, but uh, what are your thoughts about the new campaign you're doing this time, and uh, are you a fan of the new uh, Sweet Chili Heat flavor? I am I am a sucker for that flavor, i got to be honest yeah. myself. I, I am. I, I like all the flavors, but I have to tell you one quick story is because I yes. was I used to fish and chase marlin around the world, and I was down in the, in the Caribbean, way down in Tortola, and stopped at a small marina to get some fuel, and I got out of the boat to talk to the attendant, and he looks at me and goes, Hey, you're the chip man. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, so, so I guess it did. I guess Lay's did travel. Those commercials did travel well because I wasn't the hockey player down there. I was the chip man. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that is that is amazing. And uh, yeah, I don't know what they paid you, but certainly seems like they got their money's worth. And uh, good thing they're they're dipping back in. Uh, obviously, we get you on. Happy to talk chips. Uh, we're thinking of the Super Bowl, but when we talk to you, we got to talk uh, uh, about hockey. You know, we can go a million different places with you, but when I when I think of you, and you know, I. I work a little bit with Kipper here, so he talks about that Rangers team all the time. And something he hammers home in talking about it is the importance of of every guy on the team feeling like they have a role, like they have a job to do. And, you know, just to kind of tie that into the Leafs, what's going on with this team right now is they're riding their big horses so much. I mean, they're playing all the power play minutes. They're also playing all the penalty kill minutes. They're scoring all the goals. Obviously, you want your best players to have their fingerprints all over the game, but how important is it to also make sure that, you know, your bottom six guys or your bottom pair guys feel like they have a true role? Because even in penalty killing, that's that's not been the case for, for the least bottom six uh, as of late here, Mess. I, I don't think there's a better example of how important the bottom six is to a team's success in Chicago who hadn't won in, I don't know how many years, uh, finally with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, uh, they build a team uh, good enough to win. But what really set them apart was they had players that were all overqualified to play in that bottom six, which is a luxury uh, not many teams can have. But, you know, sure enough, they won the cup. And because of the salary cap, they had to kind of let a lot of those guys go. Um, and, of course, um, they went on to win more cups. But those bottom six players and all the teams that I have uh, were certainly – underestimated or maybe even undervalued by the outside uh, people, but inside that dressing room, um, they were the glue guys. They were the guys that, you know, created the energy on the team, uh, served a purpose, played a role, and because of it were, you know, incredibly uh, respected by our by us and our teammates. Um, you know, getting the chemistry right has never been easy, but it's even harder now with the sal- in the salary cap era where you're trying to create this perfect blend of players that all mesh beautifully together and serve different uh, roles and purposes. Um, You know, of course, now with the salary cap, you are going to have to lean heavily on your top players, but you always did. But those top players can't win without the participation 
and the roles that the uh, bottom six play if you if you want to d- divide it into top six bottom six so uh every team's looking for it every team's looking for those players and really from their leadership perspective from the team it really gets down to having to sell the idea that yeah on another team you could be beyond the power play you could be doing this but on this team this is exactly what we need you to do and we need you to do it to the best of your ability and uh that that sales job is an ongoing process over the 80 games because, you know, if you're on the power play, you're scoring more goals, the likelihood of making more money is probably higher. But you have to compartmentalize all that, and you have to help everybody realize that if you win the Stanley Cup, uh, not only is it going to help you make more money, but it's also going to extend your career because everybody wants a Stanley Cup winner on their team. Yeah, there's no doubt that being in Toronto, uh, the the fact that the lineup has been top-heavy for a while now has been something that obviously we've talked about for a a long, long time. But I think Leaf fans can all agree that we're pretty lucky to be able, you know, as a market to be able to follow guys like Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner and watch them do what they do best. Is there a, a player or a group of players that you like to watch particularly around the league. I know you were down at all-star weekend, taking in uh, some of the best that the best of the NHL have to offer. When you sit down on the couch and you, you watch the NHL, is there a player that you like to watch yourself? Well, I've always been a huge uh, Sidney Crosby fan from the time he came into the league and the way he came into the league and the way he handled himself on and off the ice, his pursuit of excellence, uh, his dedication, uh, uh, to the game, uh, the responsibility it took to help promote the game and sell the game. Um, you know, so for me, he's been, a, you know, the the guy that most of the players that are playing now have probably looked up to coming into the league. And, um, and of course, he's got the Stanley Cups to back up uh, what he's been able to do. But, you know, I, I, I said 10 years ago, I've never seen so much talent in the league all at one time, and here we are 10 years later, and mm. I, I think it's even more so now. You can look, look at every team and see a great young player or multiple of a great young players in every team. And for me, I obviously like the players that you're talking about in Toronto, McDavid, McKinnon, you know, the superstars around the league you can go on to every team. But more importantly than than that, what really – kind of interests me watching the game now is watching these young superstar players, you know, come into the league, you know, figure out what the league is all about, you know, have success individually, start to look for team success. And then ultimately, you know, they got to look themselves in the mirror and figure out, you know, okay, I've done this. I've, you know, I've signed a nice contract. I've pretty much done everything, but I haven't won. So what do I have to do in order to win? You know, what do I have to change in my game? What do I have to change, you know, in the dressing room as a, from a leadership perspective, what is it, what is that next step for me to try to be a winner and try to be a part of a winning solution on any team? Uh, that's what I kind of look for. And, you know, they're all talented enough. They're going to score goals. They're all talented enough to make money. They're all talented enough to stay in the league for a long time, but you know, can they adapt to what it really takes to win? That that's what interests me. Yeah, I think I think that's obviously you have an exceptional perspective on this. I mean, the the game six guarantee will kind of live in infamy for forever. But you've been on both sides of it. Like you've been on a team with the oil that was learning and trying to do that, and then you were the man in New York that was brought in. I mean, for many reasons, but to provide that that experience, do you feel like there's something, or maybe this is a better way to phrase it? How different do you think you were as a player, as a leader in '94, as opposed to the 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 way you felt on those Oilers teams when you're all kind of growing together? 
Well, the first thing I would have to correct you on, just yeah, please. Uh, respectfully, is that I, I've, I've never felt like I was the man. I, I, I think that... Okay, we'll, we'll disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a slippery slope for anybody to think that they're the man in a team sport, especially like hockey. I think I, I was I was proud to play a, a, a role with the Oilers. Um, um, you know, I think Wayne and I obviously blended perfectly as a one-two puncher because of our styles. But what you really realize is that, um, um, and the thing I'm probably most proud of is that we're able to galvanize the team around a common goal and a, and a purpose. Um, and that's really what it get, gets down to because there's a lot of agendas in a team. There's a lot of ego on a team. There's a lot of things that internal and external pressures that come into a team. But how do you keep all that, um, push that all to a side to, to really kind of con- concentrate on the single singular goal of winning a Stanley Cup, and you know we were able to do that in Edmonton. Obviously, we had great teams, but without that element uh, behind those great individual talents, uh, we still wouldn't have won. So I'm really proud of that. And when I came to New York, obviously I was maybe in a different position than I was for most of my career in, in Edmonton because I was um, expected to lead offensively more so than. Uh, you know, in the first part of my career. So there's a certain pressure that comes to that. But, you know, I felt good going to New York of all the lessons that I had, you know, obviously learned in Edmonton. But you still got to start from scratch. You got to start from, you know, from the beginning and create the relationships and um, that are so um, important for teammates. Um, and that takes time. And we could see uh, over the years in New York, you know, we had a great year the first year, won the President's Trophy, but lost in the playoffs. Next year, we had a tough season, got injury, a lot of injuries, and missed the playoffs. But all the while, in the background, those things and those important elements of, you know, building trust and relationships were were being built. And sure enough, by the third year, we were able to go on and win the Stanley Cup. Well, the Oilers uh, just won 16 straight games, and I I have to imagine that the memories of those dominant Oilers teams with you and Gretzky and Curry and the the like came flooding back. Like, when you watched the Oilers do what they just did, how did it feel for you? Were you you remembering the the glory years? And and I guess looking forward, like, is this this finally the time where you think the Oilers can get back to a place where obviously they haven't been uh, in a very, very long time? Well, I, I was proud of the, of the team, and I was proud of the uh, the organization. Um, you know, you think about where, how they started the season. It didn't look like they were ever going to win another game. And then they get on the roll and start winning, and it looked like they were never going to lose a game. And, um, you know, I think but I think the most important thing is, you know, Connor McDavid had the most pressure on him to win the skills competition, and he probably put the most pressure on himself to win the skills competition. And sure enough, he went out there and did that. But maybe the most and uh, powerful skill that he demonstrated in the All-Star game was his leadership. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's starting to emerge, um, you know, in Edmonton. You know, it, he, he delivered what the fans, what he, what he wanted at the All-Star game. He took enough pride and character in his own game to, you know, get out there and, and give his best effort. Um, and to me, that spoke volumes of what's happening in Edmonton right now. I think he's maturing into a, a more confident leader and he's realizing that what we talked about earlier that, you know, he scored the goals, he's made the assists, he's led the league in scoring. And But the most important thing to him now in his career now is winning. And so what in this game does he have to change himself in order to help the team win? 
what does he have to do better without the puck in order to win? So these, this is a maturation that happens with, with most players that really decide at some point in their career that they want to win. How does he galvanize the team better? How does he include everybody better? How is he more inclusive to his teammates uh, to make them feel accountable and, and, uh, and valued? Um, these are the things that are important uh, when, it's, when a team you know, goes on a run and you don't win 16 games in any era without mm-hmm. those kind of elements to start to become in place. And, and the, I guess the most important thing is that they're winning with a lot of different contributions, which is always a good sign from, uh, from a team. Yeah, it's, it's what you want to see and uh, getting some saves uh, certainly certainly never never helps or never hurts, I, I should say. Uh, you know, coaching has been such a big topic of conversation this year in uh, Fan Morning Show, Brent Gunning, Jesse Rubinoff talking to Mark Messier here who's joining us in partnership with Lays. You know, Mike Keenan obviously was the bench boss on the on the 94 Rangers there. You know, I don't know that we're getting a Mike Keenan back in the NHL today, but I don't know how far off a guy like Torts is. Do you feel like there's been a little bit of a pendulum swinging? You know, I felt like for a while maybe there was a little bit more of a and feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong but I feel like there was a little bit of a swing to a more kind of players friendly coach being around and feels like we've gone kind of the other way with Tortorella having the impact he's had with with uh with Philly there what do you make of kind of coaching to today in the NHL like do you think you can you know again he was called Iron Mike like do you think he can kind of ride guys the way somebody like a Keenan would have back then or do you think it's just a different world today um, I think Abe Lincoln said, "No man can govern another without his consent." Um, so I think that 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 in general, even from a coaching perspective, says it all. I mean, you're not going to be able to lead any anybody without establishing a relationship so you can tell the truth, and it all gets down to the truth and 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 uh, being able to tell the truth with respect, and then getting the respect back um, is is the is the key. Um, every player wants to be coached. Every player needs to be coached. Now, that coach isn't God. He doesn't know everything. He's going to make mistakes, and we've seen coaches make mistakes in the past. But what I think what relieves mistakes are the fact that they've established a relationship and you self-correct, you admit the mistake, and you keep moving on. Um, so I, I, I agree that John Tortorella has done an amazing job in Philadelphia this year. I also believe that John Tortorella continues to evolve of the way he um, you know, manages his team and, and manages the relationships that he has with his players. And, um, you know, Mike Keenan did an incredible job. There's been one Stanley Cup in 84 years in New York uh, for the New York Rangers, and Mike Keenan was a coach. Uh, he held his players accountable. Uh, he kept players ready. He was a great bench coach. And um, so you can't take that away from any coach, but I think the coaching, if you're – in a leadership position, in my opinion, if you're looking to be popular, you're probably in the wrong position. Uh, you have to be respected, and you have to be fair. You have to be firm, but you also have to have to the trust. So it's a delicate balance. You're you're riding at the very tip of the spear, you're managing you know 20 players or 25 players and their egos and everything else. So um, for me, um, coaching <clears throat> continues to evolve, but <clears throat> don't hold yourself accountable to be friends with the players. You need to be you need to be fair, firm, and uh, most importantly, you need to have the trust of the players, and vice versa. Yeah, that's uh, man, that's that's really well said. I've thought all of that, but uh, I don't have cup rings to back it up. So uh, thanks so much for joining <laughs> us, Mass. Really, really appreciate it, man. Okay, guys, thanks for having me on. There he goes, Mark Messier. Lays has rekindled their iconic partnership with Mark, and in the campaign, Lays is also bringing back the usually limited time flavor of sweet chili heat, but this time. It's here forever. They're adding it to their permanent flavor lineup 
as a sweet chili heat sucker myself. I am fired up, fired up for that. Uh, that was awesome. I mean, we could listen to Messier talk about leadership. The NHL's Leadership Award is named after him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you had your druthers, you'd want, like, the MVP to be named after you. Like, if That's you're just right. going to say, like, hey, any award's going to be named after you. But, I don't know, being, like, the greatest leader, or at least according to that award's name in your sports history, and in a sport where, let's be honest, like, you know, like, it, football, leader of men, for sure a thing, but it's like you're almost a de facto leader because you're the quarterback. No, somebody grabs reins on a on a hockey team, and he he would disagree. He would say he was never brought in to be the man. Okay, sure. He's allowed to think that, but uh, he certainly was the man in New York, and that was awesome conversation. Yeah, you can tell that that's where his mind goes to leadership. Because you know, I ask him about the Oilers, and he says, "Well, the thing that I'm seeing is that McDavid's really taking mm-hmm. on the leadership role, and that's that's so cool to me. It's like you start to, you know, unwrap the the layers of the onion, and mm-hmm. you start to see that leadership is really what what is important to a guy like Mark Messier, and he values that greatly when he looks and evaluates mm-hmm. who." potentially could win a Stanley Cup moving forward. So I, I thought it was a really cool conversation. And yeah, uh, like you, I'm a sucker for the sweet chili yeah. heat, so I, I can't wait. So the the thing I asked about right off the top, and, you know, it's something I've been thinking about. I was thinking about it a lot watching that Leaf game on Wednesday night. So they go back to, you know, they they didn't score. So I don't know that we can technically call it this, but during the North Division year, they had not a penalty kill. They had a power kill where they scored shorthanded goals all the time. And the Leafs kind of ran that back out. It was Nylander and Marner and Matthews killing penalties the entire time, pushing, pushing, pushing. And look, you want your best players to take control of games. But if Noah Gregor or David Kampf or pick your bottom six guy, sorry, not you, Ryan Reeves, but if, you know, those guys, if they're not killing penalties... What are they doing? And I'm not saying they have to. If they're if they're not good at it, they shouldn't be in that role. But you need to find something for those guys to do. You cannot load up the big the big two lines at five on five the entire time of the game and play them on the power play the whole time and play them on the penalty kill. I have no problem with him doing it in a one-off here. You're trailing in a game. You want to get some juice. You want to get the legs going. That's all fine and dandy. But it is that is the most naked, obvious evidence I have that the bottom six on this team just has no role. Even a guy like Max Domi, who obviously is not going to kill penalties, he doesn't get power play time for you. So it's just it's something I've been thinking about a lot with the Leafs. And, you know, it's, it is it is ringing in my mind with that Rangers team because Kipper talks about it all the time, the idea of how important it was for those guys to have a role on the team. And it doesn't mean you're the first guy over the boards when a penalty is called against your team and you're the number one PK guy, but just have a role, be expected to do something. And yeah, it's something, again, I'm not mad that the least stars are killing penalties. I don't have a huge problem with it, but I really would like a role to be carved out for some of the guys in the, in the bottom six. Yeah. I think it's a really good point. Like what I, what I, I don't know, pushback's the right word, but I, I do think at Push. this, at this stage, you need to just figure out what works and what gives mm-hmm. you the best opportunity to have a, a great penalty kill. And if that means that you're sacrificing some of the uh, lesser players playing time or role uh, is a little bit less defined because you want to make your penalty kill better, then I think that that's something that you have to do. Like at this stage of especially Sheldon Keefe's tenure as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, like you can't mess around anymore. Like you strictly have to have the guys on the ice in the moments that you think they need to be on there. Like you cannot, there's no more beating around the bush. And if your best players being on the ice for a penalty kill is going to give you the best opportunity to win the game, then that is the type of urgency that you need at this stage of their tenure and their development. 
Yeah, it's, it's man, I'm so conflicted because I know you look at the standings and apparently the Leafs are going to be in tight, or not in tight, but, you know, it's it's not going to be a cakewalk to get to the playoffs. I'm of the believer that it is. Like, I think this team is too talented. I think you. the teams behind them are, are there, there are enough obvious holes, and, hey, the Leafs have obvious holes as well. Nobody's but those, really that good. But, well, yeah, no, but certainly nobody in the East. No. Like, we just sit here and talk about Boston. I know they, you know, ran roughshod over Vancouver last night. And, you know, Florida is a scary matchup for sure. Like, I don't think anyone's saying sign me up with Florida. But, yeah, there's no juggernauts. Now, in, the Flames the also East. smoked the Bruins a couple of that's games right. ago. That's right. No, like, that, well, that's, that's the thing. I was watching that game, and I'm going, hmm, Vancouver. They're supposed to be really good. But then, and it's like, this is a much more like NFL style thing we do where this team beat that team because, you know, back-to-backs and everything sure, in other sure. leagues. But I'm sitting there going, I'm like, hold on. Like, Boston's played the Leafs really tough this year. But the Leafs, they got blown out in Vancouver. But they blew out the Canucks at home earlier in the year. It's just, it's it's hard to do the, like, transitive properties of, yeah, of like Every night's things. a coin flip. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I I was sitting there watching the Canucks. And, you know, I don't I don't like Boston winning, but... I wasn't upset to see the Canucks losing. Let me let me put it to you that way. Uh, the the other thing I did want to quickly touch on uh, from from the Leafs in this game, I mentioned it to you. I think I mentioned it earlier in the show. Is just the extent to which Austin Matthews owns the the Ottawa Senators. It is again forty five points in thirty two games. He's it's the only team he has like a fifty fifty goals and assists record against it as well. And look, Matthews owns a lot of teams, but. There's just something about having your guy. And again, like, you know, this isn't a shot at Mitch Marner or John Tavares or William Nylander or Morgan Riley or Carlton the Bear. But this Austin Matthews team, okay, he's the guy. And having the guy own your rival the way he owns the Sens, it's just, it's amazing. I hope he shoves it. Well, I was about to say shove it in all the Ottawa fans' face, but that won't be the case because it's going to be nothing but Leaf fans in the uh in the building tomorrow night. I, uh, I'm i looking forward to this one. They're always spicy. You know Kachuk's going to be ornery. The Sens team is pissed off because they've been just playing poorly all season long. Uh, it'll be a, it, it'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. Yeah, there's no question about it. I, I, I long for the days of the Battle of Ontario, actually. So does Brady Kachuk. He wants something. It. Yeah, and, and it's funny because like a guy like Brady Kachuk being there in the first place, you think, would lend itself to the rivalry coming back a little bit just based on the way that he mm-hmm. plays and the physicality and the intensity. And the Sens should be better. Yep. Like, at this stage of where they are in their development, they should be. You go through that roster, it's like, oh, this guy was a highly touted prospect. That guy was a highly touted prospect. And it just, for whatever reason, hasn't worked out. They're just just swimming endlessly, yeah. like, just treading water. And it's just like, enough. Like, just, guys, yeah, you, pull up your bootstraps and play better. Do you, If you think it's bad being a, and, you know, I know the Sens aren't capped out, but if you think it's a, it's bad being a team that's already paid all your guys and have one playoff round to show for it, you know what's worse is being a team that's paid all your guys totally. and having not a single playoff. Forget that. They're in the... Um, trying to remember how the calendar works here. It's like they're in the Blue Jays' meaningful September baseball phase of their development right now. It's like, ah, oh, we just want to push. We just want a playoff race. We, we'd kill for it. Uh, a lot more on the Battle of Ontario. We'll have that coming up with Sam McKee. Also, uh, you mentioned golfing with him. I, I'll tell you about more of the, about this on the other side. But mm-hmm. We just had I just, I just saw visual evidence of people golfing in Ontario in the GTA. Yeah, Not today. Surprised. Yesterday. Uh, but before we talk to McKee, 
Due to the overwhelming demand, Creed has added another Toronto show as part of their Are You Ready tour. They'll be playing with Finger 11 and Mammoth WVH at Scotiabank Arena on November 27th, and we have tickets to give away. To enter, listen daily to the Fan Morning Show for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. Today's code word is OVERCOME. Text OVERCOME to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. We have another pair of tickets to give away on Monday's show. But if you don't win with us, tickets are now officially on sale at Ticketmaster.ca. Going to talk to McKee. Will we talk Leafs? Will we yell about live? Will we wish we were playing golf this yes afternoon? Yes, all of those. All of the above, for yeah. sure. Brett Gutting, Jesse Rubinoff. One segment left on the Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brent Gunning, Jesse Rubinoff here with you. The dulcet tones of Scott Stapp, for those of you on the podcast. A little Creed bumping now. I don't think it was a Super Bowl halftime show. I feel like it was just like a Cowboys one. Thanksgiving. 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 Yeah, the greatest. Peak Americana. Well, I won't say the greatest because, like, we've had some good ones as of late. No, but you can say greatest. No, I can't. No, yeah. come on. D- like, dude, the guy that was flying fly, through the, the air. guy? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Was Where do you get good. that anywhere? Uh, the answer's nowhere. You know, literally just one place, and it was uh, whatever they used to call <laughs> the old Jerry World uh, before, uh, before it is uh, the new Jerry World now. Uh, joining us now to... Discuss all things. I mean, talk about the game of golf, talk about live yelling, talk about the Leafs, talk about the Super Bowl. Let's talk to my friend, Sam McKee. Sammy, bud, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, that you were very right in saying that that Creed halftime show is the best of all time. Yes, there's thank simply, you. Well, there's see- simply, it's the peak of performance in the history of mankind. Now yeah, you are straight opinion. downhill from there. Well, no, you're, you're, <laughs> see, hold on a second here. McKee, the reason I didn't say greatest of all time is because I knew you were on the line and you're such a prisoner of the moment. I thought you were going to, I, I feel no. like you have told me there are 15 greatest of all times. Like you were big on JLo and Shakira, rightfully so. I mean, I, that's great for different reasons. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll just leave that there then i think i think we just hit can the we nail. get tate mccray to do the super bowl halftime show boys um would be down i think a lot of the nhl would would as well uh, she seemed pretty uh, big fan popular. she's a lovely young woman yeah hey hey we love cancon like why else would we be oh yeah about exactly that, right? and <laughs> so you guys are good at this yeah cancon maybe no gunner's good at it i well something we're good at something you know hey which, i yeah i i gotta tell you i went yeah. to a sports set event yesterday yes uh, please regale us with your tales but not even, it's not even, whatever, I play hockey, I suck. There's, that's the end of that story. But I went to real sports after, mm. and uh, it's my first time there in a while. And I got to tell you, it, uh, the fan pregame with Jesse, with Jesse Rubinov was on, and it is not, it's the biggest show in sports talk. Literally the biggest show because it was on the jumbotron, <laughs> you know, like the massive yes. screen there. Yes. And I was, head. it was, it was the biggest show I've ever seen. I was looking at Jesse's massive head. <laughs> all I can I think, all I can think is, thank God Ben wasn't filling in. Oh yeah, man, it's no, like they wouldn't have we even, were, even that screen wouldn't have nah, been able to know. contain I, it. I got a pretty big melon we myself, di- so we yeah. were dying laughing. It was I just the biggest that. show. Of, it's the biggest show in the world. Yeah, just like Scott Stapp gave the greatest performance yeah. of all time. Yeah, so me and Jesse. 
dressing were wearing the exact same thing too. You guys yeah. were matching, yeah. but that's that's the way she goes. Yeah. Way she goes. That is great. I've definitely matched with with co-hosts uh, as well, but not on TV on a nine thousand foot screen. Well, no, I was saying this yesterday. Yeah. The dumbest thing about it was that I actually had a gray shirt on, and he came downstairs and he's like, "Dude, we're wearing the same thing. Like, go change." So I ran upstairs and and changed into something that I thought would look different. It was actually purple, but it gets like washed out on TV. So we look the exact same. And then Donovan Bennett rolls in wearing like a brown, he's always dressed in the nines. He's wearing like a brown suit, but he has a gray shirt underneath. Amazing. And we're just like, dude, you got to lose the jacket and we got to go full. Yeah, of course. Full gray and trio well, here. So we did it. <laughs> 50 shades of gray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you still got joke. Tate McRae on the brain. I could tell. Uh, okay. <laughs> now we have to move on. Uh, McKee, I love getting you on because in yeah. theory, I could talk lease with you, but like maybe, yeah. maybe we'll get to that. I don't know. Like sure, I, I'd, I always I'd love like, to do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always like to throw it open to you because, you know, I know, mm-hmm. I know Kipper and Bourne is, you know, it's called Real Kipper and Bourne. It's your show. You guys talk about whatever you yeah. want, but I want to give you your floor. Like what's on your brain? Do you have Super Bowl thoughts you want to talk about? Mm. Do you want to do Raptors complaining, Blue Jays complaining? Are you are you uh, are you hot and bothered by Live? What what's on your mind, right now, I, Sam McKee? I, it's a great question. Lots is on my mind, but I think I think we're heading towards a crescendo mm. of Taylor Swift this weekend, mm. where I think like for the most part, people listening to this, our audience is probably pretty sick of it. Yeah, and I really don't care. I don't care. Like I, I don't mind when they they show celebrities on the time all the time. Agreed. Uh, It's like yeah, it's a it's a really famous woman who happens to be engaged to one of the most popular, or maybe not engaged. I spill the beans. Breaking news. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my sources in the inside the Kelsey camp are telling me. (laughs) Uh, No, it's just I think that like this weekend, with all the 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 guys are at the (laughs) Super Bowl parties, and you know how those go, where it's like. Sometimes your partner, they're not as into the football, but it's like a great event. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're going to have a crescendo of takes. Taylor Swift hate and hate and takes. And it's just, it's <laughs> been building up to this. We've been warming up. We've been, we've been rubbing our hands together, <laughs> getting it ready because boy, on Sunday, the, the buys are going to be, Oh, they're off the screen. Let's see that. You're going to, you're going to go full cowherd. Like you are sad, young, lonely men. That'll <laughs> yeah, be you. Like that, I thought that was one of the best takes of the year. Yeah. I was like, I agree so much. It's like, who cares? They flash the celebrities every game ever. Like that's, that's like a a core principle of every sports broadcast. If there happens to be a celebrity in the house, guess what they're showing? And they're like, oh yeah, uh, NBC, let's not show the most popular artist on earth. That's to be stupid. People would hate that. It's like, shut up. God, <laughs> it's true. Like, Anyways. and even to her credit, and when she was shown on the game during the uh, conference championship, she's like, "Stop showing me! Like, get get me off yeah. TV! Like, it just." But they're not, not going to stop showing her. Well, she's too a, famous. I got a way. Like, you know, she doesn't have to stand at the front of the box to watch it. She can go sit and watch it somewhere else. Like, you know, like she wants to not be on camera. There is a way. I'm just saying. Just saying. She loves football, and she loves her man, and she's got to be at the front. Like. I'd be so sad if I looked up. She loves if football. I'm, if, we know that. If I'm Travis, <laughs> if I'm Travis Kelsey, and I look up to see my loving future wife Taylor Swift, and she's she's in the back crushing chicken fingers, not paying attention, I'm gonna be sour. So I want her at the front. It's gonna be so an absolute go, gong show if the Chiefs win yeah. and he proposes. Like if that that the, the, you know the Disney script plays out. If that thing happens, it's the internet's yeah, over. I, like it's done. I hope so. It's gonna. I'm be hoping a for it. Cluster, you and, know what? And this is why, boys. 
as why I am gambling on the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. There is just too much. I can look myself in the mirror on Monday morning after I lose money on Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. I can't lose my I can't look myself in the mirror after betting on Mr. Irrelevant against all the powers. You're if you're betting on the Chiefs, here's what you get. You get the you get Patrick Mahomes. Yep. You get Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You get the zebras. You get the NFL <laughs> wanting uh the little smoochy after the game. Mm. You get you get the Andy Reid like I I don't know. There's just a whole lot of stuff with the Chiefs that's like very very like bigger powers as opposed mm. to like what's actually going to happen on the field. And uh yeah. Uh, give me the Chiefs. So there we go. I guess that's what was on my mind. Here's what I got. I got the Chiefs at plus 900 to win the Super Bowl to start the playoffs. So Ooh, I am also nice. now. Now that's to your really point, good. I'm gonna. I've been in this position before. I that's a flex with the. Well, no, like it's not like come on, like I'm mm. like I'm gonna win a million dollars here. But when the Rams and Bengals played in the Super Bowl, I jumped on the Rams. I don't think it was at the beginning of the season, but it was like pretty early on. I got them in an awesome number, and then it was a two week thing of should I hedge? Should I hold? I think you talked me into just hold McKee here. It's like, there's no way I should hedge this, right? Just like stick with Mahomes, ride it out. And like you said, if Brock Purdy does me dirty, I can always know that it was, it was Brock Purdy. Yeah. What are they, what are they? Minus 115. You're not going to get any value yeah. on a hedge. Like just, mm. if just it was a million dollars then you could hedge yeah. it. No, definitely. It's, yeah. It's not, it's uh, like, uh-huh. like infinitely less zeros. Than, than <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Sammy, I, I just, I, I, when I look at this game, like, the Mr. Irrelevant thing, like you talked about Taylor Swift and how that that gets old fast. Yeah. The people criticizing yeah. Taylor Swift. Like I feel the same way about the Brock Purdy story. It's like how often can we just talk about how this guy's Mr. Irrelevant and maybe not right. that great of a quarterback? It's like they're in the Super Bowl. Like what, the only one team wins and Mahomes has almost had a monopoly on that over the last couple of years. I so know. it's like, is this guy's reputation just going to be tied to being the last pick in the draft until he wins a Super sure. Bowl? Like it doesn't seem fair to me. And it's, it, it's honestly exhausting at this point. And buddy, and even if he wins a Super Bowl, Mr. Irrelevant wins the Super Bowl for the first time. Like, has there ever been a quarterback who's been the last, like no uh, history? Like it's going to be a huge talking point, but. I'm really excited for this game. Yeah. I don't love the jersey matchup. Too much red. A lot of red. But, yeah, uh, that's true. I I I think it's gonna be an incredible game. And my here's here's my mm-hmm. little uh my little thought that I don't know if you can bet on this. You can definitely bet on this. I don't think you can bet on the fact the part of the game it'll be, but I think a swing in this game is gonna be a Brock Purdy pick six. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't love know. That. You can bet on a defensive score. You can do that. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on a defensive score for the for the for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs defense, what they showed against uh, Baltimore, they're studs. Like that's a legit defense. Those corners, like they they Mm -hmm. they get after the quarterback. I like that defense a lot, and I think they're gonna come to play. And Mr. Irrelevant Jesse under the lights, I just. I feel like he's going to make a big mistake and yeah. that's going to be a swing in the game. Yeah. He's, he's getting be away with it. Yeah. He's been getting away with it for a while yeah. now. And, yeah. Uh, this yeah. T- this chief's D is really good. Really opportunistic might catch up with him. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. We were, we were, we were talking to Charles Davis earlier on talking about it. And it's just like the idea of, it's so funny, like the needle that Purdy has to thread. Cause even if he, like if the defense wins it for them or if McCaffrey is transcendent, it's like, that'll be, well, you know, he was a passenger. Like it, it, it really does feel like he has to perform in a big, big way to kind of get over how he's, how he's viewed in that way. Uh, all right. That's enough Super Bowl with you. Okay. Do you Love want that? Do you want? Yeah. I figured that's a good, good <laughs> amount for you. Uh, do you want to yell at me about live in the PGA tour or do you want to talk about the Leafs? We could, 
Okay, so I don't really want to yell. Okay, about thank you. The live. Th- thing, thank you. But first things first. Thank I you. do. I do feel like I, you know, I feel very like. Oh no. Right about all this, <laughs> for so, sure. So do I. Just for the record, but go ahead. I mean, I just feel like it's like, yeah, it's now an established tour with great players, and the PGA Tour exists too, and they don't hate each other as much, and that's it. It's and, just and and your boy Rory thinks it's a great tour, and he may be the captain of the <laughs> of the Shamrocks next season when he takes his when he takes his talents over there. But I just I just feel like it's 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 over. So I I think you're right to take a victory lap on that specific part of it. Here's where I'm going to take my victory lap. Like, do we think golf is better? Like, wouldn't it be better if Rom was at Phoenix this week? And does all Rom the... usually play Phoenix anyway. Yeah, he does. He's a Sun Devil guy. Like he does he? Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. played it a bunch. He said he misses it. Yeah. Well, like, that's it just, what the money's for, Rombo. Well, no, but that's what I'm getting at here is this was always my issue with it. Like, yeah, I have my moral pillar that I wanted to stand on, and you made a lot of fun about me for But I also, like, you know, just like watching all the best guys play other than the majors against each other, and that's where I just I, – I'm not blind to the fact that there's probably in a couple years' time a world where everybody's able to play and it makes more sense, but it's just – Like I said from day one. Well, but you can't tell me that this is good right this now. This is a disaster. That this is good. Like, I think it's a disaster. Why is it a disaster? Because it a disaster? the best guys – Two options. The best guys are not all playing at Phoenix where they should all be playing instead of – well, I guess they're in Vegas this week, but they'll be in Saudi Arabia next month. Like, that's where I look at it. It's just wouldn't you rather have all the best guys in sure, one tournament on one tour? Like, I enjoy golf and I watched a lot of the waste management yesterday when I got home and it was like, yeah, I was enjoying it. And Scotty Scheffler was there and Sahith Thagala was there and Nick Taylor was there and all these great players were there. And then I watched all day yesterday, all day Sunday on live and I'm watching Sergio Garcia and John Rom and, you know, uh, Neiman and Kepka and Cam Smith. It's like, oh, there's two options. I don't know. I guess, I guess there's a lot of great golfers. Maybe like in my youth, you couldn't have mm. split it into two different, tours because it wouldn't have been as exciting it would just would have been a bunch of bags of milk and tiger basically on the two tours that's what it would have been but like i just don't feel like golf is in such a bad place as everybody thinks that's if, where I'm yeah. at. if there were if there were two tours when tiger like was in peak yeah. of his powers it would actually be just tiger playing by himself trying to shoot 60 every day and then the other guys playing for David Duvall. Like that's what it tour. feels like would be the would have been that tour. All right, I like we don't need to go around in circles no, on it. I uh, I disagree, I'm good but on that. yeah, that's okay. Fine. We Le- could agree to disagree, buddy. Agree to disagree. Uh, verbal handshake there. Uh, in terms of all right, Leafs. So power kill was back a little bit on Wednesday, and hey, that's good. Like we love special teams making a difference in the game. We love special teams just killing penalties. We'll take that. But I was thinking about it and. You know, you love that Nylander and Marner and Matthews are all capable of doing that. You love that they can hunt pucks and be dangerous. But how is it possible for anybody on this team to have a role if the top six guys play all the penalty kill time, they play all the power play time, they get all the time at five on five. And, you know, it's, it goes back to the point I've heard Bourne make on your show a billion times of team A and team B. Like, I love the idea of asking more of those guys and having them be able to play in all situations. But it just seems impossible for anybody on this team to feel like they have any ownership of it when you just have the core four kind of doing everything. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot there, Gunner. I... <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't think they have the bodies right now. Like they yeah. have two of their best penalty killers are hurt. Camp and Yarn, yeah. And Yarn Crock and Camp. So they can't play those guys and you can't. And Brad for living had a philosophical change about the bottom six in this, in the off season 
where he went for a more offensive punch, which I can't kill him for because the Leafs scored two goals in six straight games to finish the season last year, where it was like as soon as the top six dried up, they went to the they went to the they went to, you know, try to get some goals from the bottom half of the lineup and they couldn't get it. So they made it more of a philosophical change, trying to bring more offense for that. But I, I don't know. I don't mind them killing penalties while those guys are out. But like, who are you going to throw over the boards to kill a penalty? Domi? No, that's oh, over. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. That's the, I, I think that's the problem is that I don't disagree with anything Keith's doing. But if Max Domi, like if he's not playing power play time, because he's not, because those guys are eating up all of the top unit minutes, which I, again, don't have too much of a problem with when it's rolling. It's just how can you, like if you're Max Domi, how can you really, and you know, I understand, find a way, but how can you have an impact on the game when you're paying 10 minutes and you have no feel and you're not even playing with other offensive this is on guys the coach. Yeah. This is on the coach boys. Like I I'm watching that line. I'm watching that game the other night where they ended up beating the stars. They hold on to their butts. That was a, it was a close one. And Simone Benoit actually saves a goal at the end of the game or it would have been a tie game. But I, I, I don't know how to feel about this, this roster when it's so thin and there's, you know, the guys in the bottom half that aren't playing. It's like, well, you have four really good guys and there's four lines on a hockey team and you can maybe spread it out. Put one of them on three lines. Like this team is dying for depth and you're overplaying these guys yep. brutally. It's like Matthews and Marner are very rich men who have big time. You know, they can, they can figure it out. Keep them, put them up, split them up, put one on the third line, put one on the second line for a game or two until young gets back until camp gets back. So when you have more depth, it's like, you don't have to play these guys together. And when the lineup's that thin, it's like, holy hell, can you give some guys in the bottom half of the lineup a little bit of help? Or they just don't play. Like, and you talk about Bertuzzi's lack of production. This guy hasn't got a power play minute. He gets five seconds at the end while the big boys are chomping up the cookies on the on the first unit. It's like, no wonder he doesn't score. He plays 15 minutes a night. He doesn't get any power play time. It's like, just mix it up a bit. But yeah. they win and they win. And Keith doesn't look at the big picture. He's coaching in game. He puts his big boys out there for a lot. I can't blame him for it, but it's just, there's lots of different ways. I'd like to see things done. That's yeah. what I'll say. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have been wondering aloud about the possibility of kind of splitting up the big four as much as you can and having them drive lines. Like he, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but Matthews and the, the butchers has worked uh, a little bit before. So uh, no reason why not to try it out now. Uh, Sammy, love you, bud. Always love getting you on. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your, enjoy your beloved live and your beloved golden nights <laughs> in the Super Bowl. And God. my beloved Taylor Swift. God, what a, I can't believe I'm friends with you. It's like your golden nights and your live. Yeah. All right. Oh boy, the boys in the West are mad at me for that hat on. What was that Wednesday that I wore that on? <laughs> I don't know. I, here's what I know. I know I had the Kip- text slide was a lot of trucks in there. Let's yeah, just say that. I, I had Kipper on the, my on this show yesterday, and I yelled at him about it, saying, "Get that bucket off your head." He's all oh, Sammy's an idiot. Well, Sammy's a Leaf fan. You know that Gunner. That's oh, what he okay. said. He's like, you know, oh, okay. he it's blue and white, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I know. But take the nice Great bucket off. Great kid for impression. Uh, no, it was terrible. Uh, Sammy, uh, <laughs> God love you, bud. Take See care. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. There he goes, uh, Sam McKee. Again, you know, not like, I don't want to disparage my good friend Sam McKee, but a bit of a letdown going from Mark Messier to Sam McKee. No offense there. Uh, awesome show today. Rubes, I don't, I, it sounded like I was surprised. Didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Always do. And, uh, you know, it's basically your show on Fridays now because Ben never comes to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, happy to be here and uh, happy... 
uh, early birthday to, to Ben Ennis uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, I know that he's coming back on Monday and, uh, and hopefully you get a good game on Sunday and you have enough to talk about yeah, uh, on Monday. We'll have plenty. We'll have plenty to talk about. So uh, before we step aside here, Bunk waiting in the wings, ready to come charging in, give you whatever he's got uh, coming up on the show. I'm, I'll be listening in the, in the car ride. What are you looking for this weekend? Give me a winner. Give me your Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I feel like this is the most milk toast answer mm-hmm. of all time. Chalk, chalk, chalk. It's, it's got to be Chiefs. It's got to be Mahomes. Like, I don't think there's a world where the Chiefs win the game and Patrick Mahomes doesn't win MVP. Like, I know that CD was talking about the Chiefs pounding the, mm-hmm. the ground game and Isaiah Pacheco getting a ton of carries and it being pretty straightforward in that sense. But, I mean, come on. Like, the Chiefs win. The MVP is going one way, and it's only to Patrick Mahomes. The only real exception that I would say is if it's if Kelsey is a massive game, and they try to and they try to really milk this thing uh, as much as they possibly can, and then he gets down on a knee and the whole the whole shebang. Yeah, I'd love to get cute and tell you, oh, I actually go the other way. I go the Niners, and I think it's going to be Ayuk. No, I think sounds ridiculous. Coming out, I think the Chiefs will probably win. But here's something, and like you know, I know anybody can throw this out and just say it. If there's ever a year, which feels wild to say in a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes or a defensive player could win MVP, turnover is going to have a big impact on this game. Maybe it's a little more low scoring. And in a Super Bowl, you just need to make one or two big, big pop plays. And sometimes that's enough. So I don't know. Maybe I'd take a look at whatever uh, your market is for a defensive player. MVP. Mm. Uh, get some good juice, some good action on that. Uh, Rubes, always love it. Uh, Thanks, enjoy buddy. the weekend, man. You Funk too. is coming in here next. It's been Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan.